0: Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. So, we've talked about all kinds of things before
1: we got on here today. Yeah.
0: Unusual, normally we have to banter a long time before anybody gets on here, but it's nice to see you, Sean.
1: Nice to see you too, Amos. How are things going today?
0: Uh, Good, good. I kind of already told you about this. I spoke to a high school class of, um, uh, I mean... Young men and women, they're they're juniors and seniors that are interested in technology. And there's a special program here. Um, You've probably heard of it since you're in KC also. It's called CAPS. And they learn more kind of about a trade. So they spend half their high school day doing that um, for one semester. And then the second semester, they have an internship at a different company. Um so, this is the second class that i've spoken to, and I feel like I did better at the first one I was more exciting than I was at this one, I think, but uh this one was also quieter, and it's a morning class instead of an afternoon, right. class. <laughs> so I think that makes a difference but uh yeah the it was it was a lot of fun
1: and they they were doing this all virtually.
0: no, no, I went into the classroom and uh, um we talked to I mean they had great questions. They ask about process of building software, like project manage it kind of processes. Um where I pretty much told them that waterfall is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and by the end of me talking, they were all like, yeah, yeah, they were they were on board with uh the, the world changes around you so you can't plan for everything.
1: Right. I was gonna say it's not just stupid. It 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 literally doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. I think the planning is a good idea, right? Was it Patton who said that about planning? So I, I do think that that's a good idea. Like come up with what you think the plan will be. That's a good idea. But um, I actually mentioned that to the previous class. But I So I didn't go in there with a the talk. I went in there and said, hey, uh, you guys get talked at enough. Like kids get talked at enough. Actually, everybody gets talked at enough. Right. And so I said, I'm an open book. Just raise your hands and start asking questions. This class, their questions were on point, but I felt like all the answers. I'm like, okay, I'll teach you about that, but it's dry. Like let's hear like when they ask about project management, I was like, okay, let me draw a Kanban board on your board. So let
1: me tell you about Google docs, (laughs) right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, like this is the most boring thing. Uh, are you sure this is what you want to do?
1: Guys, it's not like running an assembly line. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think they're learning a lot about project management. I I told them to get a book on Kanban or lean, something like that. I was like I can't teach you all of this, but if this is what the stuff you want to look up. Um I I suggest books a lot instead of web pages. Uh I do tell them that one of the most important things and I wish I had known is to read. Yeah. You know, I, I find the more I read now too, the more that when I communicate with people I can I pull things out that I'm like, Whoa, I don't even remember like I that surprises me that I remembered reading that, but this directly applies to what you just asked, so let me just regurgitate <laughs> which makes my <laughs> life easier than trying to make it up.
1: Yeah. Um speaking of reading, uh there's a I s I suppose you've talked about it on the show before uh i i keep i keep coming back to uh and and trying to read cuz it it's a little dry um but it's it's super informative behind human error oh yeah yeah yeah. i keep
0: trying to read it
1: and yes i have the same
0: dry like like i get a couple pages and i'm like
1: okay yeah like and i i feel like i've gotten through the the introduction which is basically the her fir- part 1 i guess is the first two chapters uh multiple times um and like every time i go back to it more sinks in um, but I think, uh, it's been on, on my mind a lot lately, uh, because the stuff we're trying to do at work, uh, is very much around like, how do we, how do we build things that are resilient? And of course, in the context of behind human error, they're talking about like, how do you build safety into systems, into complex systems? And there's all these little nuggets in this, in the you know first two chapters that, that jump out to me. Uh, and, and, um, there's a there's so many things. Actually, I, I kind of want to, you know, buy copies of it and send it to all of our senior management. Right? <laughs> it's like,
0: <laughs> hey, hey, I I've done that with books, uh, to clients and yeah. managers and everything else. I'm like, hey, have you ever read Indistractable? You're trying to
1: build a product. Let me ship this to you. Right. And there there was there was this one. Well, there's a number of things that jump out uh, to me that ha- have happened recently. But uh, there's this one thing that jumped out, and we're We've been build trying to build this process that improves accountability. Um, and I, I say that because uh some people are under the mistaken assumption that it actually builds safety, the process. Uh and no, it doesn't. Uh it's just so we can uh you know remain compliant uh with various, you know, industry standards and, and whatnot. Um and uh and some of that involves being able to track uh, you know who made a change when what was the context that they made the change in and you know why um, and so that uh you know for example, if there's a data breach uh, or or some kind of vulnerability um, you have some information about like what might have led to that that breach um, so uh but but there there was some there was some discussion about you know this process will reduce human error to which my alarm bells go off I'm like whoa 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 <laughs> yeah like <laughs> let let's unpack that a little bit right <laughs> you don't have to get
0: very far into that book for that to be a problem in your brain <laughs> okay.
1: that's like the first sentence of the book basically <laughs> um you know like let let's unpack that first of all it makes the assumption the problem or the source of our problems is human error or a source of our problems is human error
0: because complex systems are are fine they they work fine without people
1: <laughs> and 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 the other the other assumption is that the process itself will reduce those incidences of of mistakes but uh when i saw that i was just like going ah <laughs> <laughs> i need to send all these people this book
0: <laughs> just send them the first like five paragraphs right right <laughs> <laughs> here you go and and maybe one one of my favorite things at the beginning of that book that like I don't know it it to me it speaks to complex systems is the airplane that gets grounded because of the hot water pipe frozen and then broke that goes to the coffee maker right <laughs> and that poured on a wire that then made the plane not flyable like who 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 would have thought of that I I think that's what gets like that's why I like elixir too is it makes me think about mm-hmm. failure
1: yeah still still though I think uh one of the things we're we're running into and it is sort of tangentially related to this um problem if you're if you're really focused on elixir and like the principles that that underlie elixir you will you'll be thinking along those lines of how how do I deal with errors as they come up, or how do I decide not to deal with them like uh you know your recent conversation with chris um keithley about about like well do you do you do you pattern match on the result or do you just let the thing crash and and like that's sort of a decision you can make um the flip side of it is like we have all these great tools that you know like like phoenix like ecto that get us so far without having to worry about a lot of those problems um And, and, um, like this, this is a, this is a double-edged sword. Like, you know, you get really productive, but then, you know, you might, you might get in the situation, some, somewhat like we have that we built a lot of stuff, um, on top of those like really solid foundations. Um, but we didn't, you know, we built it really fast and we didn't think about what are the, what are the inter, interdependencies And so it's sort of like that, you know, water pipe for the coffee maker dripping onto an electrical cable. (laughs) You don't know, and, like, it could totally ground the plane. (laughs) It's it's, how do you recognize those things
0: up front? Especially, you know, uh, I I consider BlockFi, like, is still a startup. Oh, yeah. Like a major, major growth stage startup. And you guys are, like, doing big things, but... You're still a startup, and so you're often still trying to rush a little oh, bit, yeah, in at least in my experience and and i i I end up with a lot of clients that way too that are startups and they, i even non startups like when there's a new feature, they just want to get it out the door, yeah, designing that system like sometimes you just don't know what's going to happen up front,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and that's, that's what we, what we did is we, we said, okay, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that you don't, I, I hate the term technical debt. I like tech, technical investment, making things better. Um, but,
0: uh, <laughs> just don't say refactor
1: cause Keith Lee will chew us out. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, he's going to hate the title of my code beam talk. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like you know every every especially when you're in that growth growth phase you're you're trying to find product market fit right you're trying to find the thing that will make your company successful and that you can build upon and it's totally acceptable to just take well here's what we have here's where we want to go let's figure out like the next thing that will get us toward that goal or get us to that goal um but uh but what and I I don't actually think there's a solution for this, except for occasionally rewrite things. I'm not going to say refactor because refactor is yeah. Um, (laughs) but you rewrite things when you, when your context changes, but like all those decisions up to that point, um, I think that we, we get, we get the context as, as baggage sometimes and not, not as knowledge. Right. um, it's mm-hmm. sometimes it's well this is what happened back then this is what uh you know the, the The decisions we made at that time made sense in that context but we have a reluctance to reevaluate. is that context even valid anymore um has has context changed do you even know what the original context was right sometimes that gets lost you look at the code and you go why the heck is it like this
0: make good commit messages that's what they're
1: for <laughs> the thing is though even I, th- I I love to do those. I love to write paragraphs and paragraphs in, in commit messages that are significant or I think like are nuanced. You know, especially if it's a one line change and like it changes something really big from one line change, you know, you're you're gonna get it. you're gonna get a little novel from Sean. Um but <laughs> <laughs> uh but still like sometimes those you, you could you could write a commit message that you know, has a ton of information about why the change was made and it still assumes context that may no longer be known or or valid, right?
0: I have a hard time unless I, like, it's really hard to get out of your head when you're writing those because you almost have to separate yourself from the context and look at it from the outside in order to give enough in the description to tell somebody what actually went on because there are so many things in your head that are just com- like you consider them common knowledge at that time. Right. Uh, you know, it's like when my high school kids talk to me and every other word is he, she, it, they, and there's never a noun for me to connect those two. And I'm like, <laughs> I, how many people are here? Is it 12? Is it two? And and we can't communicate because in their head, it's obvious who. Or what that is. And so in writing them, that's I feel it's the same way. I really try to read mine multiple times sometimes. But I do have my days where it's like, uh, this fixes this problem. Period. Done. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um and you know, you mentioned before, I was just thinking about the you know, BlockFi is still a startup, right? Um but a lot of ways we've gone past product market fit um you know we have a stable customer base um you know we have good revenue stream um and uh and we could see like we could you know essentially not build new things and still continue as a business obviously that's not what we're going to do um we're going to continue to build new things um uh, but like there's sort of a we're sort of in this transition thing where to get to that next level of stability um, and progress, we have to kind of unpack and rethink all of those decisions that we made early when we were trying to find product market fit. Um, because we can, we can take that fit, you know, as a baseline and say, this is what works, right. Um, and then go, well, does the code that we have do, do the systems that we have actually provide that in the way that we want? And then there's the other pressure of, okay, well, now we've got fit and we're in a growth phase that will be like, um, you know, we, in order to sustain that, we have to, we have to build uh, certain levels of stability into the systems, uh, you know, reliability, uh, resilience, I think is the word I'm using my code beam to talk about this. I feel like I'm rambling a bit here, um, but what what I'm trying to get at is like, we basically need to do a rewrite, like, you know, in a lot of ways. And I don't want to go into too many details about it, but we've had, because we're a financial company in tech, like we have to deal with, uh, with regulators. Um, and that's like, that has put pressure on, you know, what do we do in terms of development? Um, when, a regulator comes and says hey you have this deadline to comply like that's that's a challenging problem um but if we've if we have like redesigned our systems around um uh, you know the the sorts of directions we want to go that maybe that change becomes smaller when they bring a demand that that requires a code change um but instead, when we got all the stuff like intertwined, you know we got the water pipe over the electrical cable, <laughs> you know it becomes hard. It's like, well, do you rip out the electrical cable and replace it with something else, or do you move the water pipe like these are the sorts of questions we we are trying to deal with right now
0: how do like so in my experience in in when you get to that point, it also becomes you have those decisions on your plate to make whether it's the water pipe or the cable mm-hmm. or this other new feature right or or we don't care about fixing that right now how how do you frame that when going to to people who are saying we need a new feature it, it cuz i've had varying degrees of success and i'm i'm curious about your approach to it
1: Oh my gosh. Uh like that is the existential question, right? I and I, th- I think <laughs> I I would not be surprised if you if you shared this this dire re- revelation with your your high school students that you talk to, but um software is a people problem, right? <laughs> Largely, mm, yeah. Um and uh and you know, for for the, the sake of like building resilience or um redesigning your systems so that you can move on to the next phase. Uh, you know, they're, they're definitely competing priorities there and you, you like, it's a constant negotiation, um, you know, cause uh, the product managers, they have, Oh, Hey, you know, this is a feature that I think will bring us a bunch of revenue. we let's go build it. Like that's their priority. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the, the C levels and the finance people are like, okay, well, here's, here's where our revenue is. Here's where our our revenue wants to be. Here are the things that we can tweak to get there. Um, uh, and that's a different priority than the build the feature priority. Um, and then the, you know, there's the, the folks in engineering leadership who are like, uh, or, or maybe in infrastructure or something like that. And they're like, oh my gosh, everything's on fire. It's like that, the proverbial slide from Cal Kingsbury's talk where, you know, it's like all unicorns and rainbows up top and the bottom is a tire fire, you know, like, <laughs> um, you got to put out the fire. Um, but, uh, that's, I guess it's, it's just a negotiation and some of it is you've got to keep beating your drum saying, Hey, this is a problem. We need to fix it. We need time to fix it. Um, I know there's stuff in the SRE book. I have not read the SRE book, by the way. I freely admit um, about how do you how do you put back pressure on on feature development when things are going badly. Um, yeah, I haven't read it either. I probably should. Uh, yeah, I mean, P- I'm just telling you what people have told me. <laughs> so I-, <laughs> I have one.
0: The this is just it's a metaphor but I've had it, it's been my most successful mm-hmm. in, in getting people to understand. <clears throat> and, um, some of it the, I use this metaphor for also pushing back deadlines, things like that. You know, you, we've all had that, uh, how long do you think this is going to take? First of all, ah, I'm, this is, this is an estimate. It's a guess. Right. And you say like, I don't know a month. And they're like, I think you can do it in a week. Mike says he can do it in three days. Well, hey, I'll hire Mike. But <laughs> my, uh, my response to that, as well as in them pushing back, is like, if an engineer comes to you, like a physical world engineer and they're building a bridge and they tell you, it's going to take two years, you're probably not going to say, mm, I think you could do it in six months. Right. You might, they're probably going to walk away because they're responsible when that bridge falls down. Right. So, or if they come in and you're working on the bridge and they come in and say, um, we have a problem. Um, we have to re redo the, the pylons on the bridge because otherwise this bridge is going to sink into the ground because we learned something new. You're probably going to let them redo the pylons. Right. Yeah. And so how do you, how do you want me to move forward with your software? Cause our pylons are sinking into the ground or, you're telling me to do this in half the time that it's going to take to do it safely, and usually that—that that
1: works to get like at least they start to be like, "Oh,
0: oh, I understand."
1: Yeah. Um, isn't it funny though? Like how, in terms of software, we can kind of build on sand and then decide later that we need concrete underneath it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Our,
0: our change process is a whole lot easier than somebody building a building. I'll give them that. Build, building on sand, yeah. Like our our cost of change is frequently cheaper than a physical world engineer, um, but I mean not always. If if we keep building on that sand for too long, now that cost because we get dependent on where the sand is, right? Mm-hmm. And so now if we have to switch to concrete, we're we're very dependent on on how all this how everything flows in the system and where information comes from and structure of the data uh i mean right now i'm facing a restructuring of the database Mm -hmm. it makes me unhappy oh yeah and that's
1: scary too (laughs) right
0: yeah like that is the base like that is our sand right and we need to because it's in a bad place uh we made decisions along the way um one thing that i think i should have learned all of these years is that probably separate people from accounts Mm -hmm. so actual login and then people and their data should be separate things and i've you know done this multiple times and always almost always end up where i need to separate them but
1: it but the thing is like that we we actually did that um it's something i did really early when i started at blockfi uh you know and it was because we were building a new thing that was going to be completely separate uh from the primary product um with the goal of, oh, we'll eventually move the primary product over to it. And that just, that effort just finished this, this summer. Um, but uh, from the beginning, it was like, yeah, people, you know, the, 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 the way they log in is separate from the account that they use. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> the flip side of that is uh, for a bunch of historical reasons, it started, well, you know, one login one account um and now we have the capability for multi login multi account um or at least a separation uh but from the business perspective there really isn't a difference in most cases and and um like uh communicating to people what the implications of that are because it didn't start that way they they there's all these assumptions of oh well if we if we change the contact email address on this account. It also changes the email address they used to log in with, and and you can see how like when that is you know M to N sort of relationship that gets really problematic. Well, and and not to mention that now you're talking about two different parts of the database and possibly your identity at login system, which which in our case is separate. Uh, not everyone's is, but like in our case it is well now you've got to change that email in three places and how do you keep that in sync like you have to have all sorts of crazy um uh crazy like mitigation strategies when that fails um and versus and this this hopefully brings it back full circle to behind human error like um there there's like there's potential failures there in that that sort of system um but what if we change there's a lot of things they talk about mode error in behind human error like what what mode is the is the system and the person involved in the system operating in um what if what if we change the mode if the the mode is well you're either changing the email that we use to send them like transactional notifications or or you know or marketing stuff or you're changing the email they log in with and those are two different concepts um right and 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 maybe maybe the account doesn't even have an email maybe that you know notification emails is separate for good reasons but um but we still have that those those things conflated in our systems in a lot of places that's that's hard to unpack because like you have to retrain people you know you have to and how do your users think do they think of those as two separate emails like i would say in most cases they don't um Maybe if you have a
0: company on there, they might have a company email and then a user email or like I have an email that I send my receipts to. So right. I want that to be different than my communication. Right. Um. One, one of the big things that I've run into, I feel like it's related to this, is, hey, we want to be able to have multiple users log in mm-hmm. like as the same, same, in, same, I want to say
1: company and same entity like like an impersonation behavior or or just uh Uh,
0: well that happens but but no just like hey i i have a piece of software i want to invite somebody else to also be able to be in there and the repercussions of two people being able to be in the same data partition at the same time is like we have a whole new world of problems (laughs) because now what if two people are editing the same thing or they both try to add the same thing um yeah, do you, do you want two people in your bank account?
1: <laughs>
0: Probably not.
1: <laughs> and we we had this problem for a long time with uh because we have we ha- allow people to sign up with, you know, personal accounts. Um and we also allow people to sign up as businesses, and some of that is related to like what what sorts of compliance we do to determine who they are and, you know, validate that you know, especially in the case of a business like who's the responsible party uh even if that party is not the person who is signing up for the account um you know and some of that has to do with anti-money laundering because we're in fintech and and whatnot but some of it is just good business practice like who who are my clients um the uh but then you have the problem of um well now you have i don't know five ten people potentially who might be able to access this thing Uh, via a business email and we've kind of just hand waved over that for a long time we really want to get to well now you can you can have somebody who's an administrator for the account and uh and they are able to delegate permissions and but they're like that's a whole huge complicated system by itself way easier to just like not do that for as long as possible
0: (laughs) yeah uh, Typically I say, okay, you want multiple users. Um, They're all equals. Yeah. And then until you're like, well, now I can delete users. Okay, now, uh, even then I say everybody's equal except for the first account. They're Mm -hmm. the owner. Can't. And then maybe we give you a way to switch owner. (laughs) Like, Like try to keep that permissions at a bare minimum. I find that permissions implementing, I've seen it a lot of different ways in a lot of different systems. And it always seems to make things slower too. Mm-hmm. Cause now everything has to go through and check. Do, can this person actually do this? Right. Um, or I see a lot of people they'll, you know, uh, they'll say, well, let's just, let's just check at this top level, which can be great. But it, depending on like when you're dealing with FinTech regulations, I'm pretty sure that there are things that you probably want to check at every single level through your code or, or, really close to it or really low level in the code so that
1: it can't possibly get into your data from the wrong user. Yeah, and I think, you know, we since we haven't really except for this this one tiny niche application, we haven't really um turned on any of that like user management stuff. It's really just, you know, that this one niche application is very hands-on, like, you know, folks on our side Handle who is able to access these things and everybody has the same permissions and they're all read only. It's that sort of situation. Um, uh, but when we come to, you know, bringing that to the, the primary retail product, um, you know, we're, we're just not allowing multi person access to an account ex- unless they share the login credentials. Um, we, cause we can't, um, okay let me let me take a step back we do check like every single api call made into our systems checks does the authenticated person have access to this account like i think that's you know that's table stakes if you have yeah a, a separate identity from from your your primary context of operating um and and we made sure that was really fast like it only takes a couple milliseconds the 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 microservice that handles that Oh, damn, I said microservice. Uh, (laughs) The service that handles that, um, you know, like has super over provisioned database, uh, has really simple queries to determine that information um, and, you know, responds within like under 10 milliseconds usually. Um, But uh, but still, that's like every API call has to be has to check that um i can't imagine what it would be like when we start you know throwing permissions in there like well on this account you have okay you can look at the the account balances only and on this other account uh well now you can you can make trades <laughs> um i i don't like that that's going to be like a whole different level of complexity
0: right then your your service has to get
1: hey there's just so much
0: more information i don't know that's always always been every time in software I try to do it differently and it's always been something that feels when you get fine grain controls, it feels every time I'm like, there's something not quite right here. I don't I've not quite figured it out.
1: I feel like a lot of people want to throw rolls at it if that as if that makes it easier. Um, you know, they go like our oh, back. I'm like, you know like role based access control came out of the military <laughs> <laughs> Like a heavy commanding. I came out structure. of the military. Wait yeah, a <laughs> I, I I seriously think you can you could trace it back to some DoD memo. Um, uh, I think they called it mandatory access control back in the day, uh, but it sounds like it.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every everything starts out as mandatory something in the military. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, like. I, I I don't know role based access sometimes seems a little easier a little simpler than fine green controls to a point until somebody wants to do something different and then you have 900 roles or you end up at, at fine base controls anyway yeah
1: I don't know I don't, I don't know how to do that better
0: somebody let me know you know how to yeah, do that better
1: please please <laughs> send in your notes to the show about how to do this better <laughs>
0: I will read them in the driest voice I can for an entire episode <laughs> well i uh I have to talk to more high school students today again, yeah, this one's uh not a class uh it's some kids from this class, and one of the things that they have to do is they have to have a project, so this is the digital media class, so they might be editing our podcast episodes we're gonna we're gonna continue to pay our editor to edit and then let them also edit and see how that goes. And then we'll, we'll switch over and let them do it full time. If they, they do a good job. And I, I, I pretty confident in them, but I'm going to meet with two of the students and talk to them about the project and what it means and what we would need. So that sounds fun. Hopefully, hopefully this episode right here will be edited by the Northland caps team. And that would be awesome. I'm sorry, kids. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> you have to listen to us.
0: <laughs> I figure as long as they can take out the background noise. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Some Sometimes sometimes we say stuff that's funny, even to people who aren't doing tech. We'll try harder next time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and we'll work on that. All right. Thanks, Sean. It's nice seeing you. Thanks, Amos. Good, good talking to you as always. Talk to you later.